Hello, and welcome to The Witch Source. I am your host, Whitney, and here today we have my sister, Courtney. Hello. And we have with us our new co-host, Phoenix Rose. Hello. (laughs) And this episode is Altar Talk. So we wanted to do an episode on altars just to um, hopefully clarify some things for people and help you feel more comfortable with building your altar and, you know, questions you might have. And if you have more questions at the end of the episode that we did not answer, um, please feel free to email us with your questions at thewitchsource at gmail.com, or you can contact us on Facebook. Uh, we do Facebook messenger on. So if you go to Facebook, you can search for the witch source. And we also have a group, the witch source society, which is a great place to come in and ask questions as well. So altars, the word altar comes from the Latin word altarium, meaning on high and adelaire. (laughs) I don't speak Latin, so I'm probably totally chopping this. Um, which means to ritually burn or sacrifice. So if we look at the actual definition of altar, the definition per Webster's is a usually raised structure or place on which sacrifices are offered or incense is burned in worship. And then they also have a table or place which serves as a center for worship or ritual. So when you're thinking about what is an altar? What should my altar look like? What you really want to focus on is what purpose is your altar serving, right? Right. Because it's your place of worship. So that's one of the biggest things is the intention behind the altar. So going off the definitions, your altar can be constructed anywhere on any raised surface, but I don't think it necessarily has to be on the raised surface. It makes sense though. But like, if you don't have a raised surface and you're just sitting on your floor, <laughs> to right, do your I've spell heard, work. Right. I've heard where some people, you know, have them set up in closets, you know, for privacy, you know, if you've got a walk-in closet or just a small area. Right. Exactly. So, you know, if, if all you've got is a floor in say your bedroom, you know, or maybe a dorm room, if you're in college and you're just sitting on the floor. Well, you can make that space your altar from which you work. So if anybody thinks you have to have all the bits and pieces, you really don't. Well, and if anyone knows me, you know, I I always say, you know, work with what you have. It doesn't, your, your practice is your own. It doesn't have to conform to anybody else. Right. Yeah, totally. So historically and traditionally, altars were made of wood or stone. And of course, there's lots of ties uh, to altars in Christianity and Judaism, um, as they are mentioned in the Bible. But really, there are lots of cultures and religions that use altars um, since the beginning of time. So there's nobody that has a real claim on the use of an altar. <laughs> There's some that believe that your altar should be made of 
oak or maple or teak, you know, especially in the, um, the Wiccan religion. Mm -hmm. So their, I guess, thoughts are they're going off of your altar should be on a wood surface. And then I guess essentially you're looking at the properties of the wood. Yeah, it all depends on what your belief is when it comes to the properties of the wood. Some believe that oak is the strongest. Others believe that maple is the strongest. So it really all goes on what your beliefs are. And right. again, there really is no right or wrong way to any of this. True. Right. Yeah, because I know I like to use um, my slate plate to do a lot of stuff. Um, and it might not necessarily uh, be on an altar. It could probably be considered a traveling altar because I will put my slate plate wherever I need to. If I'm outside, I'll put it on a table outside. Um, I've been known to put it on the kitchen counter, uh, the kitchen table, <laughs> my desk. Um, and then I do all the spell work and burn my candles and everything from the slate itself. But then as far as placing things around it, like on the tables, um, you know, I guess that would also be considered part of the altar is wherever I'm, I'm moving it to. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing, like you don't have to have a permanent altar set up all the time. I mean, there are people like me that, you know, I have a lot of stuff, but I don't have a designated altar. So you just set up something when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep everything on bookshelves. I kind of keep all of my, you know, utensils, what have you. It's all out. It's all within reach. But to actually have a dedicated altar, I mean, you wouldn't walk into my house and see something set up. You know, it, it would just, wow, you know, you've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, tell us about your altar thoughts. Well, like you say, there's really no right or wrong way to any of this. My altar consists of my candles, my stones. I've even got little stuffed animals on it. You know, it's, it's my space that, you know, I can light a candle and set my intentions for the day or draw cards at and it's always there. You know, some people put their stuff away in a plastic tub, hide it in their closet. Yes. Some people got little boxes in their purses that they can take with them anywhere. Altars are really what you feel is right, what you want to do with it. There is, I've seen so many different types of altars that it's really what your heart tells you to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like some, so some ideas for if you're say not out of the broom closet or you don't want your altar out all the time, like um, Courtney mentioned, you can have your altar in the closet or you can shut the doors. Um, you can use a trunk or chest or you put all your stuff in it, but then when it's time to work, you pull it out and set your altar up on top of it. 
Um, you could probably even use like a suitcase if you wanted to. I mean, you'd want it to be a, a good, good one <laughs> that's, you know, and have something, you know, fire safe surface for burning your candles and stuff. Um, or like the slate plate, like I have it, it travels, it moves. Um, and I do put it away, um, when it's not in use. And then sometimes I have like little altars with spells running in all different places. Cause I'll have m- multiple things going, um, at the same time. Um, I also have heard of an ironing board being used. So, you know, that's, that's an option as well. Pull the sucker out of the closet or wherever it is and set it up. And there you go. Right. I mean, I'm not upset with that. (laughs) (laughs) And the good thing about doing something like that, like an ironing board, if you are of the belief that you should be casting a circle before you're doing any of your spell work, um, it makes it easier to put that at the center of the the circle. I mean, not everybody believes in um, casting a circle prior to doing ritual or spell work. Some people do, but, you know, something like that, that can travel, be moved, set up easily um, would be really convenient for people that are, you know, wanting to cast the circle first and then be able to move around the circle. Um, You know, in that case, as far as circle casting, once you cast the circle, it's very frowned upon to leave the circle unless you cut yourself a door. Um, so you'd want to make sure you have all of your supplies within the circle prior to starting because <laughs> you don't oh, want to yeah. step out. So some things to think about um, and consider when you are planning your altar um, or maybe wanting to revamp your altar. Um, you want really want to think about your altar is your sacred space and it's your space of power. So whether that means it's up all the time or, you know, you just pull it out when needed, you have to hold it sacred because that's where, that's what brings your energy and your vibration to that place of magic um, is keeping in mind that it's power. It's your magic. Um, you also want to make sure you have a fire safe surface <laughs> as mentioned before. So when you're burning your candles, you know, you don't have to worry about things catching on fire, which has been a very big topic with you lately, sister. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just seems to follow you around. Well, I've been told I have a fire fay following me, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> But I have heard of people like catching drapes on fire, um, you know, just the carpet. Um, I'm guilty of burning carpet. (laughs) So that's me. Um, You know, so you just want to be really careful and pay attention. Just really pay attention. And and following basic safety guidelines, if you are going to light a candle, don't leave the candle unattended, especially if you have a cat. Oh, yeah. Cats get very, very curious and, you know, they're made of fur. (laughs) They run quickly. Not, and I'm not saying that from personal experience, but, you know, YouTube video, just YouTube it. I've seen it. It (laughs) Right. It's ordeal. It's a whole thing. It's a thing. Well, and me having a toddler, like, yeah, everything's got to be 
in eyes view up out of reach, like, you know, it only take two seconds to turn your back on it and, you know, be a bad situation. Right. Um, some other things to think about is keeping your altar, um, and your sacred space clean. Um, as well as remembering that your altar is like a magnet. That's where your magic goes. That's where you are concentrating all of your energy and your focus um, and intention when you're doing spell work. So, you know, what is on your altar um, is part of what you're going to attract, you know? So that's why you've, you want to make sure it's clean that, you know, your objects, your magical objects of intention, um, are there or things that are important to you or that mm-hmm. help you go into that witchy vibe in space, you know, like, uh, Rose, for example, she was like, you know, she's got the stuffed animals. I have seen pictures. I love her altar space. Those put her into that magical vibe. So it's okay to have, you know, things that maybe would typically be considered magical in the space. It's whatever is important and special to you that helps get you into, um, your magical power because it's all about the energy and the vibrations and feeling magical. Cause you have to start there. If like, right. you're not feeling magical, like you should not be setting up your altar to do some magic because bad things happen when you are not in the right space and you start doing spell work. Right. Exactly. If you're walking down the toy aisle and something jumps out at you and you're just absolutely drawn to it. I've got a little blue dragon. He, you know, he represents a male God of mine. So, you know, I've got an owl. She, you know, represents a Thea. So I was pulled to him for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. I, I too, I have a, a stuffed owl in my space and I have one of those, um, you know, the, the Dollar Tree uh, uh, birds, you know, that, that's just the bone, skeleton bird. Oh, you yeah. Know, that, that's something that. That, yeah, that's something that called to me and, you know, I dress him up for the different holidays because I think that's cute. I absolutely love that. (laughs) I really do. He's the cutest little thing. You should post some pictures in the group. I will. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So as far as keeping your altar space clean, like you do want to be aware of like dust because um, dust is, can be a magnet for negativity, Um, you know, because this is your sacred space and, you know, you want your sacred space you know, to, to be clean and tidy and, you know, ready for action for whenever you've got to do your spell work. Um, and also you want to make sure it's not cluttered, you know, and this is harder, I think for people that have their altars up all the time to keep them clean and keep all the clutter from life and family from invading your space. Right. (laughs) Cause it totally happens. But, you know, I do think it helps to be just mindful of it. Uh, Yeah. And that's one of the things about keeping it, you know, where I pull stuff out as needed. That means every time, you know, I'm looking and inspecting and, you know, I'm 
cleaning the stuff off. So, you know, where it's gathered dust sitting on the shelf, it's now getting, you know, it's a little spring cleaning when I use it. Yeah, exactly. And clutter, clutter that, that we could do like a whole episode on clutter, but it really does scatter your energy. Um, and I know it's super hard for me when my space is cluttered. Um, it's super hard for me to just be and feel any kind of organized. Um, I know personally for me, clutter has a huge effect on my energy, my, my mental state, my mood, um, all of that. And (laughs) once again, my office space has been bombarded with things from family members moving and of course Christmas. So it does, it it really kind of makes me feel a little crazy. Like everything's closing in on me. (laughs) Yeah. And I I feel like I, I, I live in a state of, I call it organized chaos. I can tell you where everything is, but you know, that's my life. What were you gonna say? I was basically, I was basically gonna say the same thing, especially like with my altar. Everything is there and it has its purpose, but it's a cluttered space. Some would say, Mm -hmm. but I, I feel my magic thrives in that chaos, that clutter. That you know, I know where everything is. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. And Rose, you bring up a really good point about like the chaos. Um, because mm-hmm. that chaos energy and chaos magic is super strong and powerful. So, you know, if that helps you get into that vibe and that space, then heck yeah, like keep your cluttered chaos because that's working for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, I just think that's a great example of how it's all different, right? It's all individualized to what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Right. Exactly. Okay. So we've talked about this a little bit, but just to touch on it again. So like the shape, the material and the location of your, of your altar, um, is really all personal choice. So there is no right or wrong. So again, some people do a closet, some people do on top of a dresser, um, and then they even will have a drawer under the dresser um, dedicated to store their stuff um, because they don't want to have their altar set up all the time. So they can just close the drawer, everything's put up, but then when they need it, it's all right there and ready to be put back up on top of the dresser for use. Um, Mm -hmm. People have used a mirror, cookie sheets, serving trays. Um, stepping stones, cinder blocks, actually cinder blocks is, um, a pretty popular, a pretty popular one from what I've seen and, and research. So, um, and then also if you're outside and you're doing your magic outside around a fire pit, then essentially your fire pit becomes your altar. Or if you find a beautiful tree trunk or a tree stump. That makes a beautiful outdoor altar. Oh, yeah, the tree stump. I used to have an awesome tree stump uh, in the backyard where I used to live. I really liked that thing. (laughs) 
but yeah, those are, those are great ones too. So if you want to take your altar space, the next level, and you really want to take into consideration everything, right? So we really want to present you with information so that you can then pick and choose and decide what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, and that applies to everything that we say, really. (laughs) So as far as Go ahead. I'm going to take what feels good and throw away the the rest. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. So like if go ahead. I was going to say my altar is in the kitchen, but I'm not a kitchen witch. Oh, yeah. But you might be a kitchen witch. Have you really thought about it? I could be. Just could be not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> really? So we've got to do episodes on all the different types of witches too, because I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, what can what what makes you a kitchen witch? Because you might be one and maybe just not realize it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in a sense, I kind of consider myself an eclectic chaos witch. <laughs> That's, Ooh, that's a little cool. bit of everything and I a little bit of everything and I play by my own rules. There you go. I definitely agree with that. I feel like I'm definitely eclectic. Right. So if we were to look at directions, so if that's something that you want to consider when you're setting up your altar, some people um, like to set their altars up facing the north because that represents manifesting and it also represents endings and beginnings. Um, Some people like the South because it represents fulfillment, creation, the future, and the path ahead. Um, The East is dawn, the rising sun, and bringing in new energy. And then the West is all about completion, wisdom, harvest, and the fruits of your labor. So Again, some people that have their altars set up all the time, they intentionally set the direction. Um, other people that move their altars and set them up as needed, pick the direction based on their intention. And then some people just don't care. It's like, wherever it, wherever it fits. I'm one of those. I don't care. I, I but I mean, that's, it's not that I don't care, but that that's the way my magic is. It, it's a lot of times just purely by need and using intention. So. Right. Yeah. And, and that is, that is perfectly fine too. I mean, there are some rituals where I do like to go all out, right? So like I pull in everything, the, the directions, um, and I'll set my altar up accordingly. I'll cast the circle, call the quarters. Like I do everything. Um, And then there's other times where I don't feel like all that's necessary. I really just trust my gut and my intuition. Right. And there again, there's always just putting it in the middle of the circle, wherever that circle may be. (laughs) Right. Um, Some people actually will plan on when they're doing their, um, their rituals with the wheel of the year, they'll point their altar in the direction that aligns with the wheel of the year, the, the, um, 
the Sabbath that they're celebrating. Mm, yeah. So that's an option as well. Okay, so we're going to dive into altar setup because I feel like this is a big question for people when they really start to get into the whole, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? So honestly, keeping it simple is, I think, the number one thing. Right. And exactly. And you do not have to have all the tools. So the things that we're uh, about to talk about, if you do not have them, it is okay. (laughs) Does not make you a bad witch by any means. Um, You will find though that most of your altar tools or materials will come to you. It's amazing how it happens. You'll think you need candles and all of a sudden you find a great deal on all these candles that you need or, you know, your herbs or anything really, you find that it just presents itself to you very easily. That's true. That I have found to be true. Yeah, I would totally agree. So like, I never even thought about having an athame because it's, I don't know, it just wasn't ever really important to me. And I was at the Renaissance festival one year and there was a craftsman there making these different daggers. And one of them had the, the pentacle in it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've got to have that. <laughs> so I did, I got it. Um, I got a large one and the small one. Um, but I do, I love them. I'm so glad that I got them, but I never actually set out with the intention to ever get one. Right. It just kind of showed up and and jumped in front of me. And I was like, heck yes, I want that. I think a lot of my stuff has been gifted to me. Oh yeah. That's a great way to you actually. Yeah. Like the daggers that I have. I've never, I've not actually ever purchased any Athame's daggers, anything like that. Um, those were all gifted to me. A lot of, uh, my tarot were gifted, um, a lot of my stones. Um, and I just got a huge donation of candles. Thanks to sister. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I hope they will be put to very good use. Yes, they have. <laughs> oh, and the other thing, you can have several altars all over all over the place. Like I, I know some witches that have an altar in every room. You just wouldn't know their altars. See, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I've got the small little uh, corner bookshelf that I would always take to work. And, you know, it's set up with my stuff, but looking at it, you wouldn't really, you know, think that it were that it was an altar. Exactly. It's like, just, you know, even the stuff on my bookshelf, you know, it just looks like it's, I mean, so I guess maybe I do kind of have an altar. It's just, you know, 
on bookshelves in different areas where if I want to use something, I pull it down and then use it. Yeah, I actually totally think that counts. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention, if you cannot set up an altar at all and your visualization is strong, you can visualize your, your altar within your mind's eye. And if you're doing that, you can be anywhere. It can look like anything. Um, you will then have every tool that you want at your disposal and you use them and you literally do the spell, all of it in your mind. There is a lot of power in that. So if there's nothing else that somebody remembers. Yeah. Like if there's nothing else that anybody remembers from this, like, remember that you can be anywhere at any point in time and instantly call up your altar in your mind and do a ritual. Well, you know, I've always felt like having the altar, having the tools, none of that is necessary because those are tools used to manifest and th they're the physical of your intentions. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it, it all can be done within you because that's where the magic is. That's where the, the power is. Um, it is the most important thing. You know, you are the magic. Um, so if you are at a point where maybe you're not out of the closet at all, <laughs> or maybe you're just getting started in this path and, you know, you, you don't have the means or the supplies or the freedom to create an altar, you always have the option to do it in your mind. And the cool thing about that is any oil is just a thought away any herb is just a thought away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever color candle that you want to use is literally a thought away. So, right. And, and I, I cannot stress like how powerful that is. It, it really is. Um, like, don't ever let somebody tell you that if you don't have an altar or you don't have the tools or you don't have the supplies that you're not a real witch. Oh, most definitely. Because any tool can be purposed. You know, you don't have to have a specific color. I mean, I, I go back to the little old witch in the cottage, you know, who didn't have all the colors of candles, didn't have all the herbs on hand, you know, because if you actually go through and look at a lot of the herbs, they're so multi-purposed. Yes. You know? And, and you're, you know, some people will tell you that, you know, the dagger that you use on the altar should only be used for that, you know, for magical purposes. Right. Cool. Why, why wouldn't you carry your magical, you know, so maybe you're someone who's a hunter and, you know, or, you know, outdoorsy, woodsy, you know, 
camping all the time and you always carry a knife, maybe your pocket knife is your athame that you carry with you all the time. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, way back when things weren't so easily accessible as they are now, probably everything was multi-purpose. Oh, yeah. you know, the kitchen table served as the altar or, right. you know, the place where you're preparing your, your meals also served as the altar. I mean, if you think about it in that sense, you know, a cup was a cup and that was it. <laughs> so yes, that cup probably carried the magical use of being the chalice. Um, but it's I mean, also the cup that people use day in and day out. Think about right? the old grannies that, you know, used to get together and, you know, for a cup of tea, who then turned that cup of tea into, you know, tea leaf readings for the, you know, mm-hmm. air quotes entertainment back then. Cause you know, Right. Exactly. And that could have been any teacup. It didn't always have to be a particular one, a special one. I think we have a lot more disposable income now. And and that really does create the whole, I think if if you make it akin to Christmas, you know, if, if you read the Laura Engel Wilder's book, you know, Little House on the Prairie, you know, for Christmas, they got a corn husk doll and, you know, they got a coin and maybe some peppermint. And, but you look at today's society and, you know, it's so commercialized where, you know, there's all these things out there that they're saying that you have to have, but none of that is necessary. If if you get down to the brass tacks, get down to the basics. Right. I I mean, I I really feel like, you know, you are the intentions and, you know, for someone who, you know, is young, just starting out, or, you know, there are a lot of teenagers out there that, you know, they're, they're hiding. Yeah. You know, they're using what they've got on hand and, I don't ever feel like people should feel like they're not doing enough. They're, they're not doing it right. Right. Exactly. And I don't even think it's just the teens that are hiding. I think there are plenty of, you know, full grown adults that, you know, are, have jobs and families and, you know, stuff going on, life going on that just don't feel even comfortable coming out of the broom closet and having all those tools and supplies and, you know, anything beyond the herbs in the cabinet, um, let alone an altar space just can't work. And we are here to tell you that's okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. We, we live in the Bible belt, you know, where, you know, the Southern Baptist is strong around here and Methodists, you know, And, you know, it's not exactly, you know, looked upon it with favor. Right. Right. What about where you're at, Rose? How do you feel? Well, it's, you know, the witchcraft that is taking off up here. There's so, I don't know. I think it's becoming more and more of a norm up here. And that is fabulous. I hope that that really starts to 
spread this so that more people can feel comfortable just being who they are and not feeling like they have to hide part of themselves. Right. And I think society has really taken a turn uh, with being more open. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, and I just have to mention, like, I love what you said. Um, however, I do have to giggle at the fact that you went little house on the prairie. I mean, is the first thing that came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm like, she just pulled some little house on the prairie out. That is funny, (laughs) but you did make a good point. I mean, I just found the book the other day and the emptying of two houses. <laughs> right. Because part of those two houses came over here to my house too. Right. Uh, okay. So I also want to touch on just for a moment, the difference between an altar and a shrine. Mm, right. Okay. So, and, and this is, from the witchcraft magical perspective. Okay. I can't, I can't speak to other, um, religions and cultures because I don't know them, but as far as magic and witchcraft, um, and the study and the research that I have done, there is a difference. So just to clarify, so altars are magical workspaces for a witch. Um, The shrine is a representation of your spirituality, your deity, um, and a space to leave your offerings. So that is what I have found to be the difference. And a lot of times, like you'll see the shrine set up in, um, say, the the, when you go for Asian food, like the Thai restaurant. um, Yeah. A lot of times you see the, the shrines set up in, in there and, you know, uh, places where you can leave the, the offerings if you choose. Um, and another one is the, I know I'm going to butcher this, but it's uh, the Dia de los Muertos, where they set up uh, the shrines for their ancestors. Right. Right. So that's just a little bit of the difference between an altar and a shrine. And you can actually have both and you can have several of both. Right. Because there are people that do ancestry work. Yes. So having a shrine to ancestors, but kind of also using that space as well. Right. So another thing that um, you can do is. Um, you can have like a, an upper space and a lower space. Okay. So the upper space is where like you would set up the shrine and that's, that can be referred to as your higher altar. And then down below it would be your actual working altar space. Um, and that is called the lower altar. Oh, okay. So I can see where the cinder blocks, because if you use a cinder blocks and, you know, kind of like growing up, my dad had a bookshelf that were, you know, cinder blocks, piece of wood, another set of cinder blocks and another piece of wood on top. You could have an upper and a lower. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you would just want to make sure you, that your altar workspace, the lower altar, um, that if you are burning candles, you can safely do so. Correct. Yeah. I do remember the, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, or even your incense. Yes. Yeah. That too. I do remember the Cinderblock bookshelf. Yep. I think, uh, it got passed down to me when you were done with it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Who knows what happened to it after that? Right. Probably got repurposed. Probably. Probably. Okay. So I promised the altar setup, and here we go. <laughs> okay. So the basic setup, there's, there's two ways that you can go with a quote, correct way of building an altar. And I do, I do that in air quotes because again, there is no right or wrong, but if you wanted to do it right, according to the books, um, and please keep in mind that so much of the publications that are out um, on witchcraft are Wiccan um, because they, they paved the way um, for more witches to be able to come out of the broom closet outside of Wicca. But Wicca did kind of start that movement of publications. So they're the, the front runners as far as having stuff um, published to say, this is what you do. And um, mm -hmm. so I just want to let people know, like, that's where this information is coming from. So this is the quote, correct way um, to do an altar. You do have two options, uh, but according to Wicca. So I just want to make this available for those people that want to know. <laughs> okay. So the first basic setup you can do um, is to represent the four elements. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily pull into play um, any deity, God or goddess. It's just simply the elements. Now I do have to mention you cannot, and you'll understand why I say that loosely because you can do whatever you want. But if you wanted to do the correct way per the book, you cannot do the element altar and the God and goddess altar at the same time, because the items are placed in different locations. So that being said, you can choose what you want to do. <laughs> but if you're going to do an elemental altar, okay, you would start with your earth tools. And those are the pentacle and a bowl of salt. And those will be placed at the north uh, section of your altar. So then your air tools would be your sensor, which is your incense burner, um, and your incense. And it would be placed at the east part of your altar. Your fire tools, which are the candles and wand, would be placed at the south section of your altar. And then finally, the water tools, the chalice, the cauldron, and bell, would be placed at the western section of your altar so you can draw that out <laughs> and get a feel for if you wanted to make an elemental altar according to the correct way in wiccan publications 
that's how you would do that. Okay. And a basic search for, okay. So this search says rules of your pagan altar, Hmm. um, which I kind of don't agree with this layout um, because it says a yellow candle and the candles are placed around the outside circle perimeter. So on the east is a yellow candle. North is a green candle. West looks like a blue candle and south is a red candle. And in between those candles, your salt goes to the north uh, with just below that, uh, your God, uh, you know, statue, what have you, your God representation to the right and your goddess to the right of the, you know, to the left of the salt. Uh, your pentagram goes in the center. Your incense goes on the east. The water goes on the west and the cauldron mm-hmm. goes on the south. But the only reason I say that I don't uh, like this is because you now have a candle directly in front of you, in front of your altar or in front of your cauldron. And now you're having to work and wrap you're, you're working around a, a candle. So uh, that, that just kind of with someone who's, you know, had a lot of fire going on lately. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that doesn't work hazardous. for you. <laughs> it's too hazardous. Yes. I, I would totally uh, agree with that actually. Um, that would be very, very hazardous. Um, especially if you're like wearing robes, um, ritual robes or any kind of, you know, stuff like that. And you have those bell sleeves going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think first and foremost, safety first. Oh, heck yeah. Like I totally get it. If you want to be riding the Stevie Nicks fashion wave, because I love it. Um, love it. Right. But you want to make sure your candles are as far away from it as possible. I mean, I could see putting them like, you know, maybe in the center on your, pen, you know, on your pentagram or you know, whatever. And, you know, going with that where it's kind right. of out of the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Okay, so now we'll move on to the traditional Wiccan setup that includes the god and goddess. So again, this is not the elemental (laughs) layout. Okay, so according to um, Scott Cunningham and uh, Silver Ravenwolf, okay, that's the two main... uh, authors that the information is coming from the left side of your altar is associated with the goddess and feminine energy the right side of the altar is the god and masculine energy and then you have this like center section um, where you can choose to place things that would be neutral so while like there is a particular place in which you would place the, um, the incense, um, they do also mention that you can move it to the middle so that the incense smoke honors both the God and goddess. So Mm -hmm. that's a little side note. Okay. So on the left side, the goddess side, 
you would have your tools of the chalice, bell, brooms, cauldrons, cups, pentacle, crystals, and your goddess statue or candle, well, and or candle representing the goddess. And the goddess candle colors are green, silver, or white. Any of those would work. Now, if you wanted to go with a primitive layout um, to represent the goddess, you could use a round stone, a hag stone, which is a round stone with a hole in it, um, a corn dolly, which is super cute. You guys should totally Google corn dolly, D-O-L-L-Y. Um, they're actually really cute. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or a seashell. So those are the primitive options. Okay. Now the right side, the God side, you would have your sword, wand, athame, bowl of salt, your censer and incense, your God statue and, or your God candle and your God candle colors are red, yellow, and gold. And then your primitive options there um, to represent the God, you could use pine cones, tapered stones, and acorns. And then in the middle, where is like kind of that neutral point and also where you'd kind of be working from your workspace area, you can put the pentacle, the sensor, um, of course, any spell materials that you need, any tools that you'll be using outside of the traditional setup. Um, and then you can also place any kind of seasonal offerings there, like flowers or greenery. Um, and you can also make a space for your grimoire or book of shadows. So, and there's another little side note to this. In addition to these things, you might also want to consider um, adding an altar cloth which is mentioned, but not specifically um, necessary to do the altar. So, and there again, like none of this stuff is necessary to do an altar, <laughs> just saying. Right. <clears throat> Rose, did you want to talk about some of the, the tools? Oh, definitely. Um, well, um, an altar plate. You know, oh yeah back in the day it was probably a kitchen plate they ate dinner off of right but your altar plate can you know be a display that you hang on the wall a place to put your offerings oh yeah um it could be a crystal grid could also be an altar plate um, i like that and idea. of course your um your pentacle a pentacle can be considered an altar plate Right. If you can't afford a, an altar plate, grab a dinner plate and, you know, put your own pentacle in the center. Yeah, definitely. Or some clay, make yourself a clay disc and put in a pentacle in it or a, a crystal grid or, you know, whatever feels right to you. You know, I love that idea of the crystal grid because I'm all about some crystals. <laughs> and of course you have your, you know, we've talked a little bit about the, the athame. Um, 
it's considered like a ceremonial night, but really mm -hmm. what's right or wrong. Right. So <clears throat> maybe back in the day, it was a steak knife, a kitchen knife, something they would just grab and use. But, you know, with like your altar tools, it's considered something that you would use for energy work. Um, if you're going to take a, an, you know, any knife or whatever, you want to create it with the intention of all the elements, you know, earth, wind, fire, water. Um, most of the time, an athame is double-sided with a black handle, but really I've seen crystal ones. I've seen ones made out of cellulite. Oh yeah, those are nice. You can channel energy with it. And a lot of people believe that it's a very personal item that should just be used by the owner, not something to share and you definitely don't want to use your athame for carving things, but some people do. It's whatever's right for you. And right, yeah. They use it solely for energy work. So then it's like, well, then what do I use to chop things and carve things? And <laughs> and that's where your your I know I'm gonna mispronounce it, the bowl line. Oh yeah. So that's more of like a crescent shaped knife with a white handle. But again, whatever works for you, you know, you want to use a, a chef's, you know, chopping knife that would work great too, because, you know, you might want to use it to chop herbs or whatever. Yeah, or you might. I, just want to I don't actually have one of those, the, the curved blades. So the, the knives I have it's actually I guess would be considered two asames I have a larger one that I use for the directing of energy and then I have a smaller one that I use for um whatever I really need it for so like a lot of times like carving stuff into candles um moving herbs around or mixing things I, I actually use it for a lot of stuff um and I use it uh for like doing stuff within the wax once the wax is melted. So, you know, when, if you're talking about like, again, going with the rules and the traditions, you're absolutely right. And I'm a perfect example of not following them. <laughs> no, but definitely they say that it could also be a straight blade. I mean, I kind of find it a little difficult with a crescent shaped blade to be carving things. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And both of mine do have black handles. I do not have a white handled blade. <laughs> right. Oh, and then we were, you were talking about keeping your altar space clean and free of dust and everything. Well, that's where our brooms come in. You could keep yeah. a, a small broom on your altar that's just, you know, like hand sized that so you can sweep away the dust. I was thinking about maybe doing like a feather duster kind of style thing. So it, you know, repels the dust. But I love it that. Away. Um, oh, you can, you know, people believe that if you, you can hang them over the door to keep negativity at bay and protect your house. 
that it actually, it represents, I'm terrible with this word, femininity and masculinity. So you've got the brush for the femininity and you've got the handle for the masculinity. Huh, all right. And then we've covered candles. Cauldrons are always fun, especially the small little ones. They're so adorable. Yes, that's what I have. And I, I doubt that I even use it the way that it should traditionally be used, but I do love my little cauldron. <laughs> right, it's making potions and burning herbs and incense. So. I do not make my potions in it, but I do burn stuff in it all the time. Yeah, I burn stuff. We covered a little bit of the chalice. Um, so I keep one for salt and herbs and another for water. It can be used in ritual or just to um, to represent the water element. Yeah, I'm totally guilty of not ever really using a chalice or the bowl of salt. And I cannot tell you in the research how many times I came across bowl of salt or just salt. Like I know salt's important, don't get me wrong. And I know it's very useful. I think I just like have the container of salt with me, <laughs> like the store-bought container that it comes in. That's what I have at hand. Um, so I'm totally guilty of not specifically designating a bowl to hold my salt and using and using it. Right. And my chalice is a silver like wine goblet that I found at uh, I found it at Goodwill, I think for a dollar. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. You know, I think starting out, I did just kind of troll all of the Goodwills and yeah, pretty much the Goodwills. I was going to say antique stores, but I don't even think I hit those up. I think it was mainly the Goodwills. And I did, I just went um, kind of on the hunt when I first got started, um, you know, putting my magical tools together and um, really started practicing years ago I just started going through the Goodwills and just trying to find things that called to me that I could actually see and envision as having a magical purpose and use um, for me to add to my altar right so that's completely how I got started um thrift shopping your your incense mm -hmm. so, you know there's different scents for different things <laughs> oh yeah exactly like there are all kinds of incense options that you could choose from like whether you're trying to coordinate with a a, a deity or a um the season or the particular spell or ritual that you're using so there's all kinds of ways like to tweak small things about your altar based on, you know, what you're, what you're doing. If, if you're 
petitioning to your ancestors, you know, can use a certain kind of incense for that. And jars. <laughs> jars can be used for all kinds of things. Yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> yes they can you can put things in them you can trap things in them <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know I never thought about adding a jar to the altar I mean I think of a jar spell but I could definitely see how it could be useful to have like the magical little jars and bottles because again, what you put on your altar doesn't necessarily have to follow the rules. It's whatever puts you into that, that magical space and energy. Exactly. Right. I did one time go on this whole like bottle obsession and I did, um, I collected a whole bunch of them and oh my gosh, I am it was, it was terrible. It really was terrible. I was getting to the point that I was collecting them and they were overflowing to the point of clutter, but I was very, very young and unaware. And I did not realize that when I was going and collecting and buying up all these antique bottles, the energy and the crap and the things that I was bringing home because I was not saging these things before they came home and into my space. Yeah. Yeah. Things got bad. Things got weird. <laughs> I was just saying. <laughs> and it took me forever to realize. No, the I know. Like, that's why I'm saying it because like I did, I was going out and I was collecting all these things and all these, you know, going Goodwill shopping and going to these antique stores and just buying up all this cool stuff that I was like, Oh, that's totally, I could, see that being witchy and magical and right so like I did the, all this stuff got all this stuff brought it home started using it mind you that's like the worst part <laughs> and I never saged it or cleaned it yeah things got weird really fast you've got your mirrors oh yeah yeah Mirrors can be used for all kinds of things, for protection spells, reversing negative energies. So some witches like to hang windows, hang mirrors in their windows, you know, facing out. It can be some kind of decorative piece, but you face it facing out your window. It reflects negative energy and anything negative being sent your way. Mm. They say to never sleep with a mirror facing your bed. I've got one. Ah, so my dresser faces my bed because it's the only place that fit. <laughs> well, you better yeah. put visuals on that thing. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm guilty of that too, actually. I have one facing my bed too. They're like, you know, trace um, sigils on it for protection. So it keeps yes. it closed so it doesn't become a portal. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, um, and you can you can do that using salt water because then you know the water evaporates off and it's still on there. Right? Yes. Yes, that's what um that's what I have done is is made holy holy water, that's in quotes, um with 
the um, salt and water um, and moon water is good for that as well. And then I went through and I actually did all the mirrors and all the windows um, and did protection pentacles on all of them. And don't forget your doors. Yes, the doors too. I did do the doors too. Um, now that I mean, yeah, but yeah, the mirrors, the windows, and the doors. There was a bad haunting going on, and every lots of stuff had to be cleared out and then protected. But I do not have a mirror. Um, I do have a mirror in my office, but I don't actually have a mirror on my altar anywhere. So that's actually a good idea. What else you got? Your wand. A wand. I do have a wand. You say that, you know, it's, it's another one of those personal tools that shouldn't be shared. But again, it's all on your personal belief. To, um, right. Say that it, it should measure. Like, so if you're walking through the woods and you see a stick, and you just think, oh, wow, I just have to have that stick, you know, it would make the perfect wand, then that's the perfect wand for you. And, but they say that, you know, good ones are made from willow, oak, apple, or cherry. Hmm. And should measure between, like, go from your elbow to the tip of your index finger. But, good size to it okay now i have to measure mine <laughs> but if it's not it's okay oh yeah totally but now i'm just curious okay so you said from your elbow to the tip of your index finger oh shut the front door it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> that's it awesome is. i'm so surprised because i was I, I honestly wasn't sure. <laughs> that is cool. But you, know, you, can, you can definitely have fun with those. You can wrap it with metal. You could wrap it with cord. You could wrap it with threads. You could put carvings into it. You could put feathers on it. You could put charms on it, rocks on it. You could do whatever you want with it, whatever feels right to you. I do love my wand. Okay, say all of that again because you totally went digital on us. Oh. We lost her. We lost her. She will be back. Yeah, I do. I love my wand and I, and I have one, um, but I very rarely use it in my spell work, to be honest. Yeah. All right. So what else you got? This is fun because I'm finding uh, things that I didn't even realize that I don't have. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see if I can spit this word out right. Uh, mortar or pestle. 
or oh, and yeah. pestle. Oh, bring things up with. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. So, oh, you know, I wish. Stone or wood. Sister, tell us about your mortar and pestle that you pestle that you got. So I located a mortar and pestle. It is cast iron, and it was made by a company, Karen, out of uh, Scotland. That uh, I think started in the 1700s, um, and then it went out of business. I think in like the mid 1800s, but. I found it at a, uh, a, a what you know rummage store down in Georgia, and they wanted sixteen dollars for it. So jealous. Yeah, but I have found where the same one has sold on like eBay and other websites for like four hundred dollars. So totally feeling like I lucked out on that one. Heck yeah. Totally it's love beautiful. it. It's beautiful. You should post pictures of it too. Oh, I will. Yeah, in the group because it's it's gorgeous. I love it. And, and it's it looks just like the old, um, uh, you know, like the pharmacists used to use. Yeah, and it's heavy. Oh my god! Yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> you just lifted it the other day too. Yeah, I did. I I was like, oh my gosh. Where did you get this? That was awesome. I love junking. <laughs> junking is a good, it's a good thing. I mean, you can find stuff. Just make sure you don't make the same mistake that I did and uh, make sure you're saging it when you, when you bring it home or using our spray to clear it. That's an option too. Yes. I was going to if you don't believe in saging, because you know, some people they believe if you're not of some, you know, heritage or background, you shouldn't be using sage. So if you're not comfortable with using sage, there's also what is it? Palo Santo. Oh yeah, Palo Santo. Yep. And we, oh, we, we also sell that on our website too. And you can cleanse things and clear things under cold running water. Over mm -hmm. incense smoke, um, mm -hmm. or our spray. Our spray is awesome. And I yes. love the smell. Our clear and protect spray, you guys, you have to check it out. Um, it's it's on the website, um, thewitchsource.com. Just go to shop. And it's really one of our very best sellers. It really is. It is. It's awesome. And it, it has a, centric, uh, uh, a lemony smell to it. Yeah, like a light citrus scent. It's you feel so cleared and protected. Yes, <laughs> which yeah. is the purpose. So you are supposed to feel that way, and you do. I'm personally going to add another one for my tools list, and that has got to be the um, the grounding roller ball. Oh yeah, I absolutely love it. And it definitely grounds me. I love the smell of it. And it makes me feel a little more connected. So it's definitely a tool on my altar. Well, thank you. I am glad that you love it. So Rose is talking about our uh, grounding blend rollerball and it's on our website as well. And it's only six bucks. 
but it's got a lot of um, really good stuff in it. And it, it has a very earthy, I feel like it has an earthy type smell because it is for grounding. <laughs> and I absolutely love the, the Apollo scent to it. It's like, oh. <laughs> yes, yeah. I do like to, um, I like to do the Apollo inside because it's so, when you burn it, the smoke is, is very light. Um, and it smells so good. And I feel okay burning that inside when my, when my child's home, because it's just, it doesn't like have so much smoke, like using sage or sweet grass or something. I love the smell of it. Just pick a stick up and give it a whiff. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think those are great things to add to your altar. <laughs> we can't forget our pentacle. You know, to represent the five elements and for protection and definitely for blessing rituals. Oh, yeah. And my favorite is, you know, your witch's name. It's a very important tool. Yeah, actually. And, you know, when you're going to your altar um, or setting up your altar to do your magical work, right? Everything about the altar, again, it's to have that sacred space and place to pull in your, your power and your intention and to get you into that, that magical space. And actually your witch name, um, does the same. So like when you're at your altar, you are that witch. <laughs> you embody that witch. You go to that space. Um, so tell us more about the, the witch name, Rose. Well, when I heard that it was the most important tool, I about, you know, stopped listening to the rest of what I was listening to. And I thought, hmm, what is my witch name? And all of a sudden I was being screamed at by my guide. Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix. I'm like, really? That's kind of generic. <laughs> I'm like, Phoenix. Okay, well, I look at my life. It's kind of what it's been. I've rose from the ashes so many times. Mm. And, you know, my, my gifts and my ability is, you know, truth and, and healing. And I know the moment that I cry, it's working. So there's them next year. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've died and reborn from my ashes. And this Phoenix is learning to fly again. I love that. And now we have Phoenix Rose. Definitely. But, you know, it's a the thing to give you strength. And, you know, sometimes we lack that confidence. So if we can go by another name per se, it doesn't even have to be like, well, mine is self-explanatory. Phoenix Rose, my name is Rose. Right. But I've heard things like Moonstone or um, Tiger's Eye or, you know, it's really whatever resonates with you. It doesn't have to be a name. It, it could be an object. It could be a word you make up, like 
really whatever feels right to you and what gives you what gives you the courage and the confidence to to step into your power and and really feel the magic that's inside of you yeah exactly um that reminds me of um one of the authors i already mentioned silver ravenwolf um that's that's who that's who she is i mean that's you know that's the name that she uses when she's publishing, you know, to publish her books. Um, and that is, she's that witch and you're right. It is all about empowering you. Um, and it, it can, it can be, be anything. Um, so I am, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Beyonce for a second. So if anybody knows anything about Beyonce, you know, she is Beyonce, but she calls herself Sasha Fierce when she's going out to perform when she's got to get into the zone. And that is, that is basically the same thing as if she was a witch, that would be her witch name because that's who she embodies and it empowers her and gives her strength and confidence. So you know, maybe she's secretly a witch. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and but, some witches yeah. have two different witches' names. You know, they have one that they share with their coven and people that they come across and, or like you say, to write books or just to be them. And then they have a witch name that's absolutely private and that only they know. And that that's what gives them their their confidence and their magic when they do their rituals and their spells and their work. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Do you have anything else? Nope. That's about all I have on tools and whatnot. All right. You know, Dance by your own tune. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, um, sister, did you have any other thoughts? No, I think um, pretty much everything has been covered. Um, you know, I, I would just end with the, you know, well, a lot of rules, a lot of things were, you know, put out there or, you know, uh, not rules, but, um, guidance, you know, definitely right. take what makes sense, run with that. And, and if it doesn't, they're not requirements, exactly. you know, you know, the saying of you do you boo. And sometimes <laughs> that's what you gotta do. Yeah. So I had a few final things I just wanted to share. Um, So again, like you can have several altars, you can have no altar up all the time. Um, Some people like to do seasonal altars, um, which which they'll mix up um, with the wheel of the year. Um, Some people have uh, specific uh, deity altars. So they'll have an altar and or shrine, whichever you would like to call it, um, dedicated to their god or goddess of choice. Um, so that's an option. We talked about ancestor altars. 
those are great, great things that you can set up to, to ask and call in help from your ancestors. Um, you could include things like objects that belong to them, um, pictures, candles, um, you know, things like that to, to create your ancestor altar. Um, and if you don't know your ancestors, if you don't know who they are, I would like to add that that is okay because your ancestors know who you are. So I don't want anybody to ever feel like just because they maybe don't know anything about their ancestors that they can't ask them for help. You definitely still can. It's all about just honoring them, leaving them offerings, um, giving them thanks and gratitude when you ask them for their help. And you can just encompass um, those ancestors by, you know, saying, you know, calling on my ancestors or all my relations. Um, I know that's a term used um, by Native Americans and, you know, they have been through a lot. And so if, uh, if we have any Native American listeners and maybe you're not sure exactly who your ancestors are, you can use that all my relations and that encompasses them because they know you. So, um, Another type of altar that I have come across is a self altar. Um, so it's used to bring out your higher self and to promote self-love. So this is something that if you need power and you need strength, or you need to focus more on self-love or healing, you can make a, a higher self-love altar for yourself. And you would put, you know, your favorite picture of you things that you love, um, a large candle that when you feel like you need some energy boost or you need some more self-love, you can light that candle. Um, anything that's special to you, anything that raises your vibration and just, you know, makes you grateful for who you are and the life that you have. So that is not going into that place of, you know, vanity or being full of yourself. It has nothing to do with that an altar for yourself is really to boost you, empower you. Um, and I think a lot of people with what we've been going through, you know, the last couple of years, they need a boost. They need, um, some help, you know, kind of getting up and going and just feeling like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to get back to life. And, um, if that's you, here at this new year, I would totally recommend, you know, a higher self and self-love altar. I absolutely love that idea because it, it reminds me, I don't have the highest self-confidence, you know, I, I'm more of, I can be an extrovert, but I'm, I'm really more of an introvert. I love staying home, but you know, if you call me to go out, I'm going to go out. Right. And when I dress up, you know, and, and I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, okay. I really like, I, I, you know, I feel confident. I like what I'm wearing, you know, and, you know, I'm just there when I go out, it's like people notice, but when I don't feel that way, you know, because when I feel like, oh, okay, my makeup looks great. My, you know, I love this outfit I'm wearing. Those are, that's when I get the comments, you know, oh, you look great. Oh, you know, you look so happy. And, you know, people comment on the way I look. And I really feel like, you know, having that self-love 
alter, you know, it kind of, you know, could have that same effect. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to put it someplace where you're going to see it every day, Um, preferably something that you're going to see, you know, at the beginning of your day. So maybe in your bedroom, on your dresser. Um, But, you know, that that favorite picture of yourself, you know, um, your favorite, you know, piece of jewelry, like if it's a strand of pearls, um, your favorite scents. Okay. So like, instead of doing incense, maybe it's your favorite perfume or cologne, mm. you know, my like favorite perfume has tobacco in it because that is my absolute favorite scent. Right. So that would be like the incense for your altar, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you just, you can find things and pick things and, you know, but make it where like, when you see that in the morning, you can look at it and be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to have a great day. And it just gives you that boost and that shift. And, you know, maybe then you put on that strand of pearls and you spray your incense, AKA perfume and you set the tone for your day and for your magic and to call in the magic for your day. Right. I love that. Cause who doesn't, I mean, there are self-confident people out there, but I really feel, you know, that there needs to be more of that in the world. Right. And more of supporting each other and lifting mm. each other up, complimenting each other and, you know, not comparing, but just saying, dang, she looks good. She's rocking it. Like kudos to you. Right. Yeah, definitely need more of that. Definitely more self-love and love for their fellow person. Yeah. And, and Phoenix Rose, you just wrote that post on um, the Facebook page too. Um, and I love that. And I feel like that definitely ties in um, to, to that, what we're talking about for sure. So if you guys have not seen it, go to uh, the witch source on Facebook and you can check out the posting and it was perfect for um, talking about, you know, self-love and the new year and maybe a read that and get motivated and go make your self-love higher self alter. And, you know, one of the most important things about self-love is truly loving yourself. Yes. Really loving yourself, loving who you were and who you've become and what you've gone through and how you handled that. And just, just loving yourself because look at where you are now. Right. How far you come. Right. Yeah, totally. And self-love is, you know, also about setting healthy boundaries for yourself. You know, maybe you need to say no more, you know, because you just don't want to be a pushover anymore. That's self-love too. Um, Oh, absolutely. And going, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, you want to sit and knit, that's self-love too. Um, do some, you know, division or divination, I should say division. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> some divination, you know, play with your, your tools and play with your cards and your crystals and your crystal balls and 
that's all self-love. Yeah, it is creating that time, that space. And you were talking about saying no and, and boundaries. And, you know, I think doing that self uh, love altar is a way that if you feel like you can't come out of the broom closet and you can't maybe be who you really are, I think you could make that self-love altar and people would have no idea. The average person would have no idea that that is your altar. So it's almost like this confidence boosting way of saying, I'm putting this altar out in plain sight and nobody will know it but me. I was going to say, putting your favorite inspirational quote on the wall somewhere, that's self-love and inspiration and nobody will even know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, it's that part of, you know, maybe you're not ready to cross, you know, certain lines or, you know, you feel like maybe that's one, a boundary you can set of, this is my little space um, on this corner of the dresser. And that's my boundary. You don't touch it. You don't mess with it. Like that's me. That's my altar space, but they don't have to know that that's what it is. But I think that would be a start for somebody who maybe has a hard time setting boundaries or saying no, like that could be a start of setting those boundaries of, you know, just letting people know this is my, this is my little space. They don't have to know why they just know you don't mess it with it and you don't touch it. That's a boundary. It's a start. Definitely. Okay. So I had just a couple more things and then I will, we will get off of here. This is why we are going to do podcasts more often so that we don't take all of everybody's time, but hopefully you guys are enjoying it. (laughs) All right. So Um, One thing to think about just real quickly um, is your body as an altar because your body does hold within itself all of the elements and you are the vessel for the spirit. And so taking good care of your body, which again also goes hand in hand with the the self-love, you're honoring yourself and you are holding yourself sacred um, when you look at your body as an altar. And therefore, you know, you really start to think about what comes into your body and on your body. Um, Those things are essential, you know, to, to who you are and your health. And I'm not putting any restrictions here. Right. So I'm not going to go into this whole, your body's a temple. You shouldn't have tattoos, like totally bump that, like go get all the tattoos you want. Right. Um, (laughs) My baby daddy, of course, most people know he is a tattoo artist, but you know, like I would definitely promote and be all for people. If you're going to do a tattoo, let it have some meaning, let it really mean something to you. Right. Right. And, and that is because you're, if you look at your body as your altar, I could totally see you wanting to get some tattoos and, and put those sacred things on you that, that means something to you. But or you know, that also gets hand in hand. Go ahead. I said, or get some bracelets or some necklaces or. Yeah, know, exactly. Like a how would you. on a jacket. Love it. Yes. 
Like if your body is an altar, just like take that in and think on that. Like, what would you do differently? And then I would like to mention, and you guys might like this perspective or you might not, but I consider my whole home, my altar, because my whole home is my sacred space. Yes, I have magical spaces within my home, but I consider my entire home to be my altar. Um, I very carefully choose what comes in. Um, it took a lot of time to clear out and let go of things that I didn't really need anymore. Um, I like my home to be neat and orderly. When my home is a mess, my life is typically a mess. Um, I think anybody who really knows me will know that's very true. <laughs> um, but think about it. Like if, if you started to look at your home as your whole, your whole home as an altar, you know, it might, it might shift things for you, you know, especially if you're maybe not happy or satisfied, you know, with where you're at right now, you know, the best way to shift that is to have gratitude. So if you can start to shift your perception and your thinking of how can I make my whole home a sacred space and altar, then you can raise yourself up, raise the vibration, get to that place of gratitude and start manifesting things within your home that you absolutely love. So, and again, this can be a slow process. It takes time. It's, it's taken me, my home is still not exactly how I want it. And I've been here, you know, two years, but I slowly create a space that I love and I'm grateful for it. So maybe take, take that away and think on it as well. Um, but the bottom line is there is no right or wrong have fun, get creative. And most importantly, use your altar to do the magic. Yes. Very important. Because if you're not doing the magic, there's no point in having the altar because you do not have to have the altar or the tools or any of that as already discussed to do the magic. So please, please, please do the magic so important right yeah all right you guys i think that's it for us thank you for joining us being with us and hanging out um i would like to mention that we are about to launch um up for sale mini travel altars so yes. these these little witch kits are super fun and exciting they come in a little tin um and I, you guys have to go check it out because the top, the lid is super cool. And then inside you have a mini altar cloth. Um, you guys have to check it out because it has beautiful embroidery on it of a pentacle with the zodiac signs and the wheel of the year uh, in silver thread on black. You guys have to check this thing out. It's so pretty. Um, and it's also got a vial of salt because again, salt's very important. Uh, very multi-purpose. We have in here um, mugwort and vervain herbs, and you'll get information sheets on everything in these kits um, when you order the kit. But vervain and mugwort carry so many properties um, that you can use it for almost any spell you could possibly think of. And so we we made these kits um, 
to be multi-purpose. So you can use them for whatever you need to use them for, whatever spell you may want to do. You also get two white tea light candles because white candles are programmable to anything. You get a little vial of um, magical oil that can be used for, again, any purpose. Um, you get a pentacle charm that you can wear and keep on your person. You also get a clear quartz point, and then you get a mini sample of the grounding spray, which is the same makeup as the grounding roller ball that was mentioned earlier. And you right. also get a small mini sample of the clear and protect spray that we were talking about. So it really everything that you need to, you know, if you're traveling and want to bring your altar with you, you know, you never know when, you know, you need to do a spell on the go. Oh, exactly. And it gives you the chance to do magic anytime. And you're protected from vampires with the vervain. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And there is that. <laughs> Courtney got it. Yay. <laughs> no, really, when I got it, I was like, when I got my vervain, I was like, oh, look, vervain. I can weaken vampires and do all kinds of stuff with this. And then I looked at that and I'm like, well, at least there's protection there. And I got part of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are energy vampires, you know, so there's many, many types of vampires in the world. Very true. Not just, you know. But that is another episode. Exactly. <laughs> all right, you guys, thank you all so much for joining us. Um, we're going to start launching podcasts again every week. So stay tuned. Um, we're going to start the Claire Senses starting next week. So we hope you'll be back. And don't forget, you guys, if you are enjoying the podcast, please share it with friends. Um, give us a great review. That really helps us a lot. And please come over and uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, and subscribe on YouTube. You can also find meditations and spell videos on the YouTube. And if you join us on Facebook, you can get in the Facebook group where we have lots of fun things happening all the time, I feel like. And it's a great resource to ask questions, get help. And you do actually get to talk to us. And we do actually answer all the questions. <laughs> so it is us for real life. Yay. <laughs> All right. So we'll see y'all next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.